When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hello, 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 everyone. I'm Brian Salvatore, and welcome to episode number 81 of Unformidable, where we look back at some of the less heralded Mets in our beloved franchise's quirky history, because every player who dons the orange and blue is, in their own way, Unformidable. Rob is on assignment this week, so I am happy to fill in, and when I was thinking about players I wanted to highlight, my mind went to the Seattle Mariners. Why? Well, because the Mets and the Mariners wrapped up their series about a week week and a half or so ago, and uh, they don't play each other all that often, but there's more to this than that. When I was growing up, I was a huge Ken Griffey Jr. fan. Huge. Just I was obsessed with Ken Griffey Jr. My dad's company had season tickets to the Yankees, and even though I was not a Yankee fan, I would beg for tickets whenever the Mariners were in town so I could watch Ken Griffey Jr. play. So... That, in addition with Robinson Cano being cut and sort of you know, Jared Kalanick being sent back down to the minors, it seemed like the Mets and the Mariners were sort of in the ether. So I started thinking about players that played for both teams, and there aren't that many. And some of them that you know are out there are players that would not fall under the unformidable category. But I found a player who would fit both under an unformidable um, tag as well as if there was a sort of Seattle equivalent unformarinable, let's call it. And that player is Jose Offerman. Now, Jose Offerman was born in 1968 in the Dominican Republic, 
and he played for uh, a number of teams in the majors, including, as I mentioned before, the Mariners and the Mets. But we'll get to that in just a minute. In 1986, straight out of high school, Offerman signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers as an international amateur free agent. He began in 1988 to play in the Dodgers minor league system, and he made his major league debut on August 19th, 1990. He is one of a handful of players, just 55 over the course of the entirety of Major League Baseball, to hit a home run in his first at bat, which is always something really special. And, and I think for us fans, whenever we see, see someone do that, it's always sort of a uh, a sign of a superstar in the making, and that doesn't always happen, uh, obviously. And uh, you know, although Offerman had a solid career for a while, he was not the uh, the superstar that folks thought he'd be especially because the home run was never really a part of his game too much after that initial blast. Um, After making his debut, he became uh, a regular player in 1992, playing 149 games for the Dodgers that season. Offerman was the starting shortstop for the Dodgers uh, from 92 all the way through 95, where he... um, He never quite was among the elite shortstops in the league, but he hit enough at shortstop in an era where shortstops just didn't hit that much that he managed to get an all-star appearance in 1995. That year, he batted 287 with a 389 on-base percentage and a 375 slugging percentage. He uh, slugged four home runs and uh, six triples, 14 doubles. You know, these numbers aren't the most gaudy out there, but again, in 95 from a shortstop, that was a pretty solid offensive performance. It was good for a 112 OPS+. Um, After the 95 season, he was traded to the Royals. Uh, Supposedly, the Dodgers wanted to improve their uh, infield defense, and so they parted ways with Offerman. When Offerman got to the Royals, he stopped being an everyday shortstop and started being more of a utility player. In 96, for instance, he played 96 games at first, 38 at second, 36 short, one in center field. In his third and final year with the Royals, Offerman actually had a pretty good offensive season, batting 315, 403, 438, with 13 triples, which led the team, and uh, good for a 119 OPS+. Plus. This turned out to be a very fortuitous event for him as he parlayed it into a four-year, $26 million contract with the Boston Red Sox. That number seems incredibly high to me, uh, both for the era and the player, but hey, good for him. Get paid, Jose. His first year in Boston, he was an all-star, batting 294, 391, 435, with, again, 11 triples, which led the team. And at this point, he was no longer playing shortstop with any sort of regularity. In fact, he said in an article I found about the signing, he said basically, I don't know where I'm going to play for them. And the answer was that he played mostly second base for them, 128 games there, but also DH 17 times and uh, played first base eight times. Uh, That would be his best season in Boston and the last really great season that he had as a ball player. Um, His next two years in Boston were sort of unremarkable, and uh, he was traded midway through the 2002 season to the Seattle Mariners, where we get the connection for this week's podcast. After that first season in Boston, he never hit above 280 again uh, in the majors, and just generally seemed to lose some of his his power as well as his uh, contact skills. Now, some of that might just be diminished playing time, led to lesser numbers, but doesn't really appear that way because plenty of teams gave him a chance. After finishing out the 2002 season with the Mariners, he signed as a free agent with the Expos in February of 2003, but was released on April 1st. 
and did not play in the majors again until the next season when he signed a free agent contract with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, his performance with the Twins was uh, uninspiring, shall we say. He um, he played in 77 games. He only collected, uh, let's see here, 18 extra base hits in that time, batting 256, 363, 395. Um, but, you know, was just below league average with a 97 OPS plus and DH'd for uh, the majority of that time. In 2005, he signed a contract with the Philadelphia Phillies and was released after 33 games, but was picked up by, drumroll please, the New York Mets. And this is where Jose would don the orange and blue. So in 2005, which was a big season for the Mets, that was the year of the, quote, New Mets with Carlos Beltran and Willie Randolph and Pedro Martinez, you know, remaking the team uh, in just a different image, the Omar Minaya at the helm. And so he picked up Offerman midway through the season. Uh, and Offerman, you know, he he played a fair amount that year. When, when, I, when I was searching for players to talk about here, I legitimately couldn't remember how much Jose Offerman played that year because like so many, uh, you know, players of that era, I was watching every single game at that point. I was going to a ton of games, so it seemed like he was always playing. But you know, I feel that way about Chris Woodward. You look up how much Woody played, and it wasn't that much. And so I was, I was presuming it was the same thing with Offerman, and I was correct. Offerman was primarily a pinch hitter for his time with the Mets. If you look at his uh, game log on Baseball Reference for the Mets, the vast majority of them he will show that he had one plate appearance because that's just that's. He was used primarily as a pinch hitter and would occasionally fill in at first base, which he did for 11 games, or he played one game at second base that season for the Mets. And, you know, by this point, his offensive skills had really, really diminished. But there are two games I want to talk about with the highlight for nice things that he did. And uh, coincidentally, these happen to fall on birthdays of people in my family. So on my mom's birthday, June 29, 2005, Offerman hit his only home run of the year. He... Uh, it was a game that was started by Kaz Ishii for the Mets, uh, opposing Corey Lytle for the Philadelphia Phillies. And uh, he, uh, Offerman pinch hit for the, uh, well, Ishii was already out of the game at this point. Aaron Heilman had replaced him, so he pinched it for Aaron Heilman, and he hit a uh, Corey Lytle pitch over the right field wall for his only home run as a New York Met. The Mets lost that game 6-3, but Offerman got his biggest offensive day of the season unless you want to count the game from August 4th, which was the first game of a doubleheader, which is my wife's birthday. In this game, Offerman started at first base, and he collected two hits, both doubles, and uh, drove in a run in the Mets' 12-9 to loss to the Brewers. Uh, a truly ugly game, and uh, it shows you just how little Offerman did as a Met, that these are the games I'm highlighting in this podcast because that is just what has to happen to talk about this. He did play a little bit for the Mets um, in the minors in AAA in 2006, starting 97 games. But uh, despite having a, uh, let's see, eight home runs. Look at that, eight home runs in the minors that year. Huh. Eight home runs, 12 doubles, and a triple. Offerman never got another shot in the major leagues, and that would be his last time playing in uh, the United States as a uh, as a major league player. However, that is not the end of his professional baseball career. And uh, it is 
very strange and interesting to see a major league player when you go to the Wikipedia page that the two biggest things that are talked about are two different, uh, shall we say, violent offenses. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In 2007, he was playing for the Long Island Ducks, which is usually the final station of the cross for a lot of baseball players. Uh, especially those who just think they have a little bit left in them and are trying to show major league teams they do, but there's no team that wants to take a chance on them in the minors. So on August 14th, 2007, while playing for the Ducks, he was hit by a pitch by Bridgeport Bluefish pitcher Matt Beach. Uh, In the brawl that started after uh, Offerman charged the mound, Beach broke his finger, and the Bluefish catcher John Nathans was hit in the back of the head and received a concussion that was so so severe it ended his playing career. Both Nathans and Beach were taken to the hospital, and Offerman was arrested by the Bridgeport police for this. Uh, I should mention, he didn't just charge the mound. He charged the mound while holding a bat. And uh, it's a little unclear if the bat was responsible for both of those injuries, but it seems like it was certainly what happened to uh, Nathans that caused his... his um, concussion so after this event he was suspended indefinitely and his suspension was supposed to remain until the legal case was settled um in september that year he pleaded not guilty to two second degree assault charges um offerman was given two years special probation which is called accelerated rehabilitation because his actions were of an aberrant an aberrant nature meaning he was not going to do this again this was not like him so they let him off a little bit easier uh, the catcher, John Nathans, filed a $4.8 million civil suit against Offerman, saying that he still had post-concussion syndrome and that Offerman ended his career. Nathans won the suit, and Offerman was ordered to pay $940,000 to Nathans. So that was the end of his American playing career. However, Offerman, again, in one of the moves that many ex-ball players do, wound up managing uh, and playing in the Caribbean series, the Lycee Tigers of the Dominican Winter League hired him as a player manager, and uh, he managed the team until uh, another incident happened in 2010. On January 16th, 2010, Offerman punched an umpire during a Dominican Winter League game. He was the manager at the time, and he came onto the field to argue a call, and uh, he hit uh, umpire DJ Rayburn, who fell to the ground, he was detained by the security at the stadium. Was uh, and was held in in police headquarters until Rayburn decided whether to press charges or not. But um, 
Here's the craziest part of the story. After this happened, the American crew that was umping that game left the country because there were threats made against them and they were concerned about their uh, welfare and security. And so this incident led to Offerman receiving a lifetime ban from the Dominican Republic Winter League. However, in 2013, that was lifted because Lycee needed him to be their manager again because, again, the Mets' connections here just uh, continue to come. Dave Joss, former bench coach for the Mets, was suspended for two years because he bumped an umpire during a playoff game. So after that, uh, Offerman was brought back to the Winter League, and um, they actually won the championship in 2014, his first year back. Um, Offerman seems to be a pretty good manager for the Winter Leagues, except that he clearly has an issue with a temper, which, to be fair, has not really come up since this incident in 2010. So he's more than a decade since his last incident, and hopefully that will be the end of such incidents for Offerman. Uh, a couple other just points of interest about him. His daughter is named uh, Josanne Alexi Offerman and was a ring announcer for the WWE under the name JoJo. Um, I, I was a wrestling fan in my younger days, but I do not keep up very much now with wrestling. However, I found out that she was married to Bray Wyatt, or rather in a relationship with Bray Wyatt, and they have two children together. And uh, even I know who Bray Wyatt is. And uh, Bray Wyatt and JoJo just got engaged in April of this year. So congratulations, you crazy kids. I hope you can make it work out. So that does it for this episode of Unformidable. Thank you for listening. Rob, we'll be back next week. Thank you for uh, listening to me ramble about Jose Offerman for a few minutes. Thanks to Steve Saipa, who filled in last week. You can go to AmazingAvenue.com for more podcasts, for analysis, news, game recaps, whatever you need. We got it for you at Amazing Avenue. Check out this and other Amazing Avenue podcasts on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, that's where you can find Amazing Avenue's audio productions. The original music on this podcast is by Bunga. And until next time, let's go Mets. Nice.